0: today's scripture reading comes from James 1, verses 19 through 21. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because our anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this morning, We're talking about anger, and lately our sermons in Proverbs have just kind of been had a one-word topic because um, Proverbs has been so rich in helping us move through uh, practical topics. And Anger is a very important topic, it's a very important issue, because we all struggle with it. About a week and a half ago, I pulled out of my neighborhood, and there was a bus stopped at the corner. Uh, And so I had to pull around him, and as I pulled around him, someone coming very fast had to, I guess they had to slam on their brakes. At the corner, the light was red anyway, so I don't know where they think they were going. But they were very angry. And as I pulled up, you know, another hundred feet to stop at the light, they were behind me, and I can see in the rearview mirror them, you know, the expletives, the number one sign they were giving me. I could feel the anger, and I just, you know, I think Maribel's in the front seat, and I just said, you know, this jerk. Um, I tried not to respond, but when the light turned green, I paused for a moment, and then I punched it. And I just he just disappeared in my rearview mirror, and I sort of made him eat my dust. But that was, that was my vengeance for his inappropriate display of emotion. But as we read through these verses this morning, our, our texts in Proverbs, I want you to notice these three things on the screen here. They are the folly of a hot temper, the wisdom of appeasement, and the beauty of a calm spirit. As we read through these passages, the folly of a hot temper, the wisdom of appeasement, and the beauty of a calm spirit. Proverbs 19 and 19. A hot-tempered man will pay the penalty, for if you would deliver him, you will only have to do it again. Proverbs 29, 22, a man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Proverbs 15 and 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Verse 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. And then finally, Proverbs 16, 32. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Father, thank you now for... The gift of your word, the instruction and the revelation of your very heart to us here in the book of Proverbs, may we glean its wisdom and be transformed by its power and truth and leave this place differently with convicted hearts, convinced that you are God and bless us now we pray in our time and the word in Christ's name, amen. Well, we all feel anger, that's obvious. But you may not realize that anger is an attribute of God. And it's a natural emotion that we all feel. Jesus got angry, like the time he grabbed the whip and went into the temple and drove out the money changers because they had made God's house a house of business instead of a house of prayer. And the closer we draw to God, the more we'll feel real anger at evil in the world. Uh, Hopefully the anger that we feel first is the anger at our own evil and over our own sins more than others. So hopefully the anger you feel at sin and evil is introspective on some level. If you're always pointing out the evil and sin in other people, well, your heart's not in the right place. But there is such thing as holy and righteous anger. The problem is much of the anger we feel is not that kind of anger. It's the kind of anger that is a result of our inability to control emotions, or hatred, or having a hot temper. So it can be hard for us to sort out the good anger from the bad anger. And anger has become such a problem, I guess it always has been, but in our culture, in our very therapeutic culture, we have what's called now anger management. Because it's an issue. If you spend a little bit of time on the internet on Facebook or Twitter, you'll see how angry people can get. The anonymity of the internet has revealed you know the depravity of the human heart like nothing else. The person who might wave to you when you're going to get your paper in the morning will verbally destroy you if they're hiding behind a computer screen. And real anger is the result though of frustration, of feeling blocked or thwarted uh, for something you feel is important. And anger can also be a defensive response to underlying fear or feelings of vulnerability or powerlessness, right? children get angry very quickly because they have not yet developed the capability to reinforce their argument. Little kids, right? So when their sister or their brother grieves them, they scream, they yell, they throw toys because they have not developed the ability to talk well. But the real question for us this morning is, what do we do with our anger? What do we do with it? Well, Proverbs has some more wisdom to give us. And the first thing we need to recognize is, number one, the folly of a hot temper, Proverbs 19 and 19. A hot-tempered person must pay the penalty, rescue them, and you'll only have to do it again. Now we call people who are easily angered hot-tempered or quick-tempered, and it, you know it's hard to be around people like that because, well, they're unpredictable. You might you might call them moody, but but really, hot-tempered is like the next stage up. Unpredictable hot people can be, you know, hot hot-tempered people. They can they can just blow up where, where you won't see it coming, or they have they can have fits of anger. And hot-tempered people, they lack control. And there's often a lot of collateral damage and fallout from their anger as a result. As a quick side note, one of the things you'll notice about people who blow up often is the, the, the sense of alienation and embarrassment they often feel from blowing up. What's instructive for us is that Proverbs 19 and 19 comes right after a verse about disciplining children. This is important. It comes right on the heels of a verse about how to discipline a child, which suggests that people with hot tempers are immature. Like a child who has fits and tantrums. Have you ever been in the grocery store and you've seen some little kids screaming, you know, and mom and dad are just not doing anything, and you know, you're walking by just right and you know that parent is not doing that kid any favors because one day that kid's going to get older and blow up on the wrong person and suffer the consequences and that's why it says you know if you in proverbs 19 and 19 if you rescue if you're always rescuing someone who blows up you're you're going to have to do it over and over again unless you allow them to pay the penalty Which means that a hot-tempered person must pay the penalty for their actions. If you rescue them or you're always making excuses for them, you'll just have to do it again and again and again. And here's the point. If you remove the consequences of a person's anger, you only delay their emotional development. You know, adults who struggle to control their anger this is what this text is really saying are emotionally immature, and they're spiritually immature as well. Proverbs 29:22 says, "A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression." Which means that we don't, we don't deal with anger the way God does. You know God's anger is always righteous. But because we're sinners and we're fallen in a fallen world, the result of our anger is transgression, it's sin, it's broken relationships. That's the result of our anger. Author, poet, and Presbyterian minister Frederick Buchner said, of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue, the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you're giving back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you are woofing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. You ever heard that phrase, nursing a grudge, right? Anger has to be maintained. I I think because in some ways, as human beings, we naturally want to move on, especially as time goes on. We just do that. That's the way God has providentially built us, right? And so sometimes when someone upsets you, you know that it's wise to confront them later when your temper has died down. I remember once I was working for a home builder in California about 15 years ago, and we had an El Nino season. You know what El Nino is? It's like the super duper rainy season. In California, just doesn't get a lot of rain, especially in LA where I'm from. And we built all these homes with stucco, stucco houses, stucco siding. They, don't, they didn't have like here in St. Louis either the brick or the vinyl siding. So stucco is great for absorbing heat from the hot sun, but it is not so great for rain. And so when it rained for four months, lots of these upscale homes we had built in this really nice area of a suburb called Stevenson Ranch, they all leaked. There was rain coming in around the windows, the inside of their homes, the drywall was wet and soggy, there was mold everywhere, and people who had paid a lot of money for these homes were going bonkers. And I was a warranty representative and I was calling people for the builder I had worked for, even though the houses were beyond the warranty period. We were trying to avoid a class action lawsuit. And someone called me, and this guy himself was a developer. His wife called me actually and she said, Hey, and I know you guys are coming out to check on homes, we've had rain coming in around our window. Now a lot of people added tint on their windows in those days because it was so hot in Southern California, but when you put tint on your brand new windows, you void the warranty. So I sort of foolishly said, okay, we'll come and check out your window, I just wanna let you know, if you put tint on your window, the warranty's voided. And she said, can I have my husband call you back? And he called me back and he was at level 10 on the anger. He was, burning up Uh, because he had paid good money for the home and he was yelling at me and he was shouting at me and I was getting worked up because you know how it is when people who are angry at you that level of sort of volume is up after a while you start to get angry and he said and I was in the neighborhood and he said I want you to come here right now and I said well I can't he goes No, no no you come here right now and I said I'm not coming there right now He said, why not? I said, because you're hot. (laughs) I said, I may be able to get there tomorrow because I realized he was so hot and he was making me hot that if we saw each other physically, there was gonna be a fist fight. So I showed up the next day and we figured it out and everything was fine. But when anger is at that peak level, you have to back away. You have to walk away. And you have to re-engage when the tempers have cooled down. Now Jesus says something about angry and ma- about anger in Matthew 5, 22. He says, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And I don't think he's getting at the idea that we don't anger or upset each other from time to time. He has to be talking about staying angry or being angry without just cause. Right, because the nature of Christian love is reconciliation, so the idea that we would stay angry at each other means that there is some type of violation of the Christian love we're supposed to have for one another. Are you angry with someone this morning? Maybe they've hurt you. And maybe you're struggling to forgive them. Let go of the anger. It's probably sucking the life right out of you. The second thing Proverbs wants us to see is that there is wisdom in, number two, appeasing angry people. If you're the object of someone's anger, there's a right way and a wrong way to handle it. So number two, the wisdom of appeasement, Proverbs 16 and four. A king's wrath is a messenger of death and a wise man will appease it. A proverb shows us that wisdom possesses the emotional intelligence not to respond to an attack with another attack. Okay? In other words, wise people avoid escalation. For a lot of us, it's just the opposite. You know, someone crosses the line, you're going to meet that level of aggression or anger with more anger. But biblically speaking, that's the wrong thing to do. The right thing to do is sort of evacuate the tension by appeasing the anger, and there's a right way to do this. And appeasement is about avoiding escalation. Now, in our safe suburban lives, we may not understand where this is coming from, but a lot of places in the world, in the ancient world, and the modern world, when anger escalates, people die. Right? I mean, when you hear about Someone dying on the side of the road or there's a road rage incident. I remember years ago in california a woman. It was was a housewife She got in a road rage incident with another housewife on the freeway She pulled over got out of the car with her gun and killed the other lady. She had like four children at home But it's the idea of not knowing how to de-escalate a situation. And So biblically speaking appeasement is wise Now this is counterintuitive in our culture because Everyone is offended nowadays all the time, right? And this is what's hard for us. Everyone is always offended or upset about something, right? People today, especially, I won't say that. I was going to say especially younger people, but that's really not true. Uh, It's just our culture. we, We suffer from it too. We've been trained to seek out reasons to be offended. That's just our culture today. It can also be hard to absorb angry words because rage-fueled words can feel like a type of aggression, right? I'm not saying somebody says something that's politically incorrect nicely and you fly off the handle. I'm saying like if someone is in your face shouting and yelling, it is a type of violence, right? You can feel it. You feel like at any minute they might haul off and hit you. But the logic behind appeasing another person's anger is simply practical. It's safe right it 's safe to appeal appease someone's anger. People die every day because someone couldn't back down. Have you ever seen like two bucks lock horns and then die because they couldn't let go? It happens all the time right two, two male bucks fighting over territory they lock horns and then they they, they go like this and then you know you'll see their they're dead rotting you know sorry kids they're dead riding corpses you know in the in the field, because they just, they couldn't back away, right? And people can be like that too. And so, understanding that escalating anger is dangerous, because it locks you in a battle that you can't get out of until someone gets hurt, either emotionally or physically. So how do you defuse an angry person? How do you do it? How do you appease? an angry person. How do you defuse an angry person? Well, Dr. Nadia Person says there's several ways to switch off an angry person. Number one, disengage and don't take it personally. People, she says, who use anger to bully others or to get their way usually have deeply hurt and vulnerable cores. Most of their accusations are based on their own subjective opinions and are very loosely or not at all related to you, which means that often when someone is angry, expresses intense anger toward you, there's something behind it that often doesn't even relate to you. They may have just gotten an argument with their spouse or they had a bad week or they had, you know, their, their boss went off on them. And so by the time they get to you, it's often not about you at all. You just happen to be the person they take it out on. And so she says disengage, don't take it personally. Number two, Avoid ego battles, eagle battles, and rides to the past. She says, anger is often a result of an overinflated ego, vulnerable to the slightest poke and scratch. That certainly is the, the struggle that I had for many years coming off this, coming out of the streets where you're sort of it's like gladiator school, and the level of respect you have with your friends relates to you know how tough you are and so i can't tell you how many fist fights i got in as a kid some people here have never been in a fist so i've been in more than i can count and the fist fights i got into from someone offending my ego by looking at me sideways because that was the last thing you could allow and even after maribel and i settled down and we got in church and we kind of became like you know upright citizens i still struggled if someone locked eyes with me because it offended my ego because they disrespected me i felt disrespected and so Often, anger is the result of an overinflated ego. Boy, did I have an overinflated ego. Uh, And I talk about that in the past. I may still have that. I may still struggle with that. An overinflated ego. um, And offended egos, do you want to know where they live? They live in the past. Um, And so when you encounter people who have an offended ego, um, instead of affirming every past grievance, you might want to ask them, how they propose solving the problem now. They want to live in the past, you have to point them towards the future. Third, choose calm and sanity. An angry person is looking for a fight, but through their escalation and unfair accusations, um, they're asking you to engage. And this is where Proverbs 15 and one comes in. Proverbs 15 and one, a soft answer turns away wrath. You all know that one, right? Maybe you don't. A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh a harsh word stirs up anger. It may feel like you are being bullied or losing a battle by backing down or giving a soft answer to someone who's hostile, but the truth is it's the wise move. It's the smart move and it's actually what scripture commands us to do. It, it suggests here that it's hard to have a fight when the other person won't fight back, right? You can't have an it takes two to tango, it takes two to have an argument. And so if one person wants to engage angrily and the other person simply refuses by responding in kind, it sort of you know, sucks the air out of the argument, air out of the room. Person says, when they shout, you keep silent or speak softly. When they come close, you increase the distance. When they say a lot, you say nothing or very little. It may seem like you're being bullied or losing, but in reality, you become untouchable and gain control by increasing emotional and physical space. And then fourth and last, she says, give out an imaginary cupcake. And this was what I call granting real estate in an argument. Maybe it's acknowledging a valid point or saying that you can understand why they feel what they feel at any rate You're agreeing with someone in theory Right and people neg- people who do negotiations or sales. They know this really well That if you're trying to get somebody to agree to this Maybe you give up this little thing over here, and they feel like Well, yeah, I paid too much for that car, but they detailed it before I drove off you know? Yeah, you know giving someone an imaginary cupcake or some emotional or verbal real estate. These are just some practical tips that won't work in every scenario, but some of those tips can be really helpful. And the takeaway, the big takeaway, the takeaway, the big takeaway is de-escalation. De-escalate, bring it down, bring it down, de-escalate, back away, right? That's what Proverbs says is the wise thing to do, to de-escalate. And then finally, my third point is the beauty of a calm spirit. The beauty of a calm spirit. Proverbs 16 and 32. Whoever is slow to anger is, I love this verse, is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. What a verse, right? Cool headed people, they're calming, they're a calming presence to a culture like ours where rightness, the rightness of your cause is determined supposedly by the the level of anger you have. The angrier you are, the more righteous your cause must be. The more offended you are, the more just your cause must be. And Proverbs is saying, no, no, no. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And I want to tell you, being slow to anger is grounded in the very character of God. How many of you know God is slow to anger? The Bible says he's slow to wrath. Exodus 34 and 6. The Lord is a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The very God who made all things and made us and gave us and revealed to us his own heart in his holy word, he himself is slow to anger. So this is grounded in the character of God. This is what we call the theocentric principle of this entire message, is that God is slow to anger. God is slow to wrath. And in the eyes of God, the cool-headed person A person who's slow to anger is better than a mighty warrior who conquers a city. You know, maybe there's not as much outward glory and fanfare, but they're more enduring because there's character and self-control. And that's something God really, really values. So if you're growing in your Christian faith, hopefully you are growing in your temperance and self-control. You are not given to fits of anger and rage. You are not hot-tempered. Now here's the real challenge, is some people who struggle with anger often feel like they can't help it. And for some people it could be bipolar disorder or borderline personality disorder. And for those people, they need real help, real professional help, But regardless of where the anger is coming from, and it may take you years to uncover where your anger problem stems from, you need accountability. This is what the church is for. So before you go running off to a professional counselor, you need to confess your sins one to another and seek some wise counsel from the leaders in the church, confess your sins and have them come together, lay hands on you and pray for you, right? Running to a professional counselor is maybe the right thing to do, but maybe not the first thing to do. Because God has called us into a community of brothers and sisters as the family of God and the body of Christ to be accountable to one another. And so we need accountability, we need to confess it. We need to repent of it and then get some help. So where do we start? We start by seeking the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5.22 says, the fruit of the spirit is love, it's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, nowhere in there is anger or wrath or a quick temper. But love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we think about what it means to be the children of God, God's very own possession his beloved elect children by his grace. We have to remember, as Ephesians 2 reminds us, that we were once the children of wrath. That we were in a category of people before God saved us, God got a hold of us, of being the proper objects of God's righteous anger because of sin. And through Jesus Christ, God has taken us out of that category and put us into another category. We were the objects of God's wrath and anger because of sin. We were the objects of God's holy and righteous anger because of of evil, because of the wickedness of our hearts. But because of his great love for us, and this is the key, love, God who is rich in mercy, it says in Ephesians 2 and 5, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, it is by grace you have been saved. We were the objects of anger. We were the objects of wrath. Ought we not then to live in that same spirit of love and grace towards others where the love and forgiveness we have received we reflect back out towards one another? Right? God removed his wrath toward us because of Jesus, and we ought to do the same. Let's pray. Father, We thank you now for your grace. We thank you, O God, that you have delivered us from wrath. We know, O God, that our hearts devise evil and wicked continually. We know, O God, that you have given us new hearts. Because of Jesus, we're not worthy. We're not worthy to escape your anger and wrath. It is by grace we've been saved, and so we thank you and pray, O God, that you would give us patient hearts, hearts of self-control, that you would help us to remove our anger, you would take our anger from us, and Lord, if we struggle, you would help us to find encouragement and help in the body of Christ and confess our sins and repent of it. Lord, let the love and kindness that you demonstrated toward us reflect back out through us as we live more for you in grace. In Christ's name, amen.